WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, Black Widow, What If, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, Hawkeye, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Moon Knight, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Miss Marvel, Thor, Love and Thunder, I Am Groot, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Werewolf by Night, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. These 18 entities make up Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Welcome back to Marvel Maniac and MCU After Show. This is your host, Eric Cicada, a.k.a. Mr. Honest, back with another episode, probably my biggest attempt to date, covering the entirety of Phase 4. And I want to say Phase 4 was pretty great. It was the most expansive and probably the riskiest addition in the phases of Marvel so far in terms of adding and building opposed to climaxes that we've been kind of getting used to um, from like phase two and three onward, you know, setting up Thanos and all that. Phase four is taking its time in a different way to kind of build up the next big threat, which lies within the multiverse. And the possibilities within the multiverse are endless. So we have a lot to talk about today. And it is my pleasure to be here with you and back with you again. We haven't covered every inch of Phase 4 on this show. We covered most of it. But we've missed a key couple of events and movies and shows, which I am so excited to finally lay some words on about and talk about and Let's talk about how this phase will impact the rest of the multiverse saga, which will be phases four, five, and six. The MCU launched in 2008 with Iron Man, and we are here in 2023, 15 years later in May, I believe, when Iron Man came out, and we're still going, and there's so much more story to be told. We are just at the beginning. If we're looking at the overall story that is probably going to be told in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, I'm not giving any guarantees as armchair expert podcast master extraordinaire, Mr. Honest, but I do think that there's so much more story to be told. Phase four started on January 15th, 2021 with WandaVision and ended on November 25th, 2022 with the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. After Marvel Phase 4, there are 40 mainline movies and shows in the MCU. And this isn't including the one-shots, and it's not including the newly added, somewhat canon, Daredevil and all the Netflix shows. This is just the mainline MCU. We are at 40. Phase 1 had 5 movies. Phase 2 had 6. Phase 3, 11. Um, all three of those phases were 22 movies altogether. And in phase four, we had 18. So that just is a little, little, a few numbers to show you how much was added on, uh, to just the lore and the universe, this phase. And if I can't say it enough, world building was done a lot of world building and it's setting up probably some great Avengers level threats and, maybe even a couple extra Avengers teams. We have so much 
uh, going forward out of Phase 4. And I think some might look at some do look at it as overkill and like that there's too much and we are adding so much and Marvel's just like, Oh, Marvel's just cashing in on, on, on the success of Avengers and the game. And no, I think Marvel is doing exactly what Marvel does best. It's building a new story and it's taking its time doing it by telling individual stories that all culminate into a greater one. And it doesn't take the audience's knowledge of these former films for granted. We're totally in the boat. If you are if you have seen everything up to phase 4 when you start WandaVision, you're in for a treat. And WandaVision does stand alone as its own really great show. And let's just start off by going into WandaVision, the first entry into Phase 4. Before I go any further, I want to announce a major spoiler alert for everything in the MCU up to this point. We are caught up. If you're an audience member uh, and you've missed something, just be ready for kind of some major plot points from that series and or movie. WandaVision released on January 15th, 2021, and it was a really amazing first entry into Phase 4. I didn't really know what to expect going in, and the show did start off a little bit slow, if you want to put it that way, but not not in a bad way, just sort of building the series, and that you really didn't know what was happening as an audience member, like how are Wanda and Vision in this sitcom together, and a part of me even, I remember asking uh, myself was, is it ever going to answer that question? Maybe this is just a really niche thing that they're doing here. Uh, but as the show went on, a few episodes in, we get Monica Rambeau and Jimmy Woo, and we get some of the outside story and learn a little bit more about what's happening inside of the Hex. And Wanda does some insane things with her powers in this series. Uh, we, we didn't really get to see too much of that aside from when she's like taking Thanos down in Endgame and in this we get to see a whole other side of it what the grieving process to somebody who is this powerful the Scarlet Witch who we learn her to be through Agatha Harkness uh, Harkness um, she is so powerful she can take a whole town under control subconsciously and turn it into a TV show and this show just sets up Wanda to be that much more of a bad ass villain in Multiverse of Madness. And what she does in that movie we'll talk about in a bit. But this movie, I mean this show, which is kind of, these shows really play like long movies in my opinion. The show really allows you to get into Wanda's mind and kind of understand where she's coming from in the later installment of Multiverse of Madness. Uh, this show as a whole rounds her character out so well. Same with Vision. It gives all of their other appearances in other movies previous just so much more weight. I mean, we even get to see a scene where Wanda is looking at that missile uh, that says Stark Industries on it and, and how it traumatized her and impacted her as a child. And... Wanda grew up watching sitcoms and we learned that she used them to cope growing up and this is why she's pretty much created Westview. Wanda doesn't have it easy and there's a big showdown at the end of the series in which she officially becomes the Scarlet Witch and it's a good and bad thing. We don't know what Wanda will do when she has something to lose, like her kids. And she loves them so much, and we see in the post credit scene that she's still looking for them via the Darkhold. And she's doing some 
extraordinary magic with the dark hole walking outside of her body similar to dr strange and that's where we leave wanda at the end of wandavision um we, we it was a great love story and uh one of the best of the shows if you ask me i thought wandavision was so well done so unique and it it's a standout on the beginning note of that phase four but it kind of stands out overall against all the other series as maybe one of the best not long after we have a release of march 19th 2021 of the falcon and the winter soldier and this show was awesome in its own right completely different to wandavision this show tackled kind of what happened in the world after the snap and what is going to like make this new captain america we go into the show knowing sam wilson is going to be captain america yet that quickly gets taken away from us when he turns the shield in and just like bucky barnes kind of reacted we are kind of like a little bit put off by this but it takes a little bit of time for sam to step into the shoes as the captain uh we get john walker who is captain america for a short time and he has an outrageous meltdown um the super soldier fear serum the super soldier serum amplifies the uh true person within the person and we learn that from the first captain america and we get more super soldiers in this in this show um the flag smashers and they are literally not that not that scary of villains to be honest like like they didn't dress up in like super villain outfits they were just kind of like a rebel group of super soldiers um carly morgenthau was their leader and i thought the bad guys in this show were if we didn't have zemo the Flag Smashers could have been done probably a little bit better. This is the first time I'm being critical of something, um, maybe in the MCU. Um, I'm going to try and be a little more honest on, like, maybe my retrospect thinking back on the show. Um, like, what what I would have liked a little bit more. I thought the Falcon and the Soldier did a great job. And in terms of, like, telling a really awesome story of how sam wilson will become captain america and want to do it and giving him that apprehension um at first and saying like you don't know what it would be like to be me to be captain america um a black man has never been captain america can he be captain america and damn right he can um setting up for a new captain america movie which will be coming out i believe in phase five um captain america new world order and we totally are going to love the Falcon and the Winter Soldier probably even more after that movie comes out because, like again, this phase is about setting up characters. Even though the Falcon and the Winter Soldier did such a great job of making Sam Wilson a more likable character, um, a character that you're going to be rooting for in his previous appearances, like all going all the way back to Captain America, the Winter Soldier uh, in Phase 2, um, it gives it gives his whole character um, a well-rounded story, and it makes me want to see this next Captain America movie. Uh, I, I accept him as Cap, and I don't think we've gotten the last of Chris Evans as Captain America either. I think we're going to have two Captain Americas, or something really bad's going to happen to Sam um, to probably lock in his legacy as one of the greatest Captain Americas we could have ever asked for. Um, hopefully we get some really great on-screen moments if they decide to do that. Um, the thing is, we're going to have to lose a couple Avengers eventually um, if Kang the Conqueror is as crazy of a villain 
as we're all hoping for. Um, we might have to lose an Avenger or two because he's known to be he's known to do that. And I don't know who those Avengers are going to be. I I don't want it to be Sam Wilson, um, but for some reason, like his. He, he seems like he's on the chopping block because he's been around a little bit longer, even though he's just become Captain America. Um, that fan outcry to bring back Steve Rogers for Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, it's just huge. And I don't, I don't think that's going to go away. I think that's only going to get bigger and bigger, and we're going to want Steve Rogers back. Um, he's going to have to go toe-to-toe with Kang. If I just I feel like he's gonna have to, uh, that I'm leaning hard on that. Um, but that doesn't take away from Sam Wilson as Cap. The, you know, more than one hero can hold the title, uh, in my opinion. And I totally think Sam Wilson earned it in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And we got to see some pretty cool Falcon stuff, let alone Captain America stuff. But there was so much Captain America. Uh, in that show uh, Zemo coming back was really cool I wish we got more of him in the mask um, we get a post credit scene setting up Sharon Carter as the power broker kind of an evil entity looming over that series um, now pardoned in the US and able to pull strings on her criminal underworld from within the US government we also meet Valentina Allegro de Fontaine uh, Val we see her a couple of times during the phase. This is the first time, and she is getting something together, very uh, reminiscent of Nick Fury assembling the Avengers. Val is making like a Dark Avengers. At the end of the series, we get John Walker uh, as U.S. agent, and it's kind of like a black and white Captain America. And we don't know exactly where that's going, but we kind of get a feel for it. We're, we're getting like a Dark Avengers or as we've recently learned, the Thunderbolts. So there's been there's a lot of setup for the Thunderbolts in Phase 4, and that is so exciting. See, as I'm saying, they're setting up so much in Phase 4, it's not really just leading up to one thing. The things they're setting up in Phase 4 are like the groundwork for like maybe four different things, four different team-up franchises, like including the Thunderbolts and the Avengers and the Young Avengers. They're setting up so many things in one phase where this is like the beginning in a way like that's why we're in a new saga it's a new start i really enjoyed the falcon and the winter soldier it had a lot of action and a lot of drama and by the end of it we get our new captain america in full action and basically his own mini movie at the end of that show so i thought that was a really great second outing for phase four Uh, but the next release in phase four was Loki, released on June 9th, 2021. And this one takes the cake. Loki might be the most, if not one of, the most important installments of Phase 4 as it sets up so much about the multiverse, variants. We learn about the sacred timeline. We meet He Who Remains, who is Kang the Conqueror. And this is just the very beginning of like a taste of what we're going to get throughout the rest of this saga. So Loki is almost like the first installment of the multiverse saga story. And it's a series. So it's a big risk, kind of a big risky step by Disney that in my opinion pays off. Why? It gives our villain that much more depth. We, I mean, we get one episode with he who remains, but 
the whole show we see what he who remains created and set up and we can only look at this giant new corner of the marvel cinematic universe in awe uh when loki pulls out like a drawer of infinity stones and they're rendered useless wherever this show is taking place the quantum realm we don't even we don't even know yet there's so many questions left to be answered by loki but so much established in loki uh and what a great character to take us through then the first main villain of marvel uh the phase one villain loki uh and taking him right out of that movie uh, the Avengers, technically, because when the Avengers went back in time in Endgame, they created a variant timeline with this Loki. He escaped uh, because Hulk went on a tirade down the stairs, couldn't take the elevator. Um, this led to the Tesseract being set loose and our Loki from this show being put on a whole different path of redemption and redeeming that character. How are you going to redeem a character like this? Well, the show does a great job of doing it and by the end of the series you're just rooting for loki you're on his side but he's still such an underdog um what he is fighting is an entire universe and it's collapsing in on him the whole show um and his choices even that he has made after like you know the, the choices that this loki didn't even do certain things um but he knows his death. He knows his demise. This Loki has been filled in on the entire story up and through his death and how he's supposed to die to Thanos. Um, so this Loki is just embedded with knowledge. And um, Owen Wilson as Mobius, talk about just an awesome character, really fun. Um, Ravana Renslayer. Um, we we get the timekeepers who are kind of set up to be the Kang the Conquerors. We don't know it's Kang until the very end, but in retrospect, Kang the Conqueror won a multiversal war. Um, all this has happened, in a sense, in a certain type of time loop, um, and this is the final Kang the Conqueror, and his name is He Who Remains. And he pretty much goes on, by the time Loki and Sylvie get to him, to explain how he gotten power he took down all his other variants and created the sacred timeline so that other versions of himself can't come out and pretty much rule and create a dynasty uh well he pretty much goes past the point in time in which he knows which things are even happening like he he knows all of time and to beginning this guy's been around for ages and he's tired he is tired he's so tired and by the end of the final episode um he gives sylvie the chance to kill him and when she does the multiverse expands giving way to all the kangs and all the possibilities to come back and haunt our avengers and other avengers and so pretty much launching a new multiversal war by the end of the show and is that hard to follow yes but is it as complex of a show as we a uh, complex of a story point as we'd hope for at this point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, we want that type of story, uh, a really complex, complicated story involving multiple timelines, all the Avengers from all of time. Like we can even put characters like the original X Men from the original X Men movies. We can finally add Deadpool because of this we can have a show like Marvel's What If which we're about to talk about just because of what happened at the end of Loki Loki allows Peter Parker's from all the Spider-Verses technically in the MCU to come and meet um, our, our Peter Parker it allows for the events of Spider-Man No Way Home uh, 
the end of Loki, if you've watched if you watch Loki, you can kind of make sense of a lot of the bigger things that are happening in phase four. Um and going onward in phases five and six, Loki is gonna have that much more of an impact. That's why Loki season two, I'm just freaking out about at this point. Like it's not probably not too far away. Um I, I haven't been looking at the dates because I'm letting the Marvel shows kind of come to me and the movies come to me now. Um but now that I'm back on the podcast, I'm gonna be a little more on them. So I don't have an exact date for Loki season two as of right now, but just to know that it's happening is so exciting because it just adds so much lore um, and so much of the background main story starts with Loki. Um, I can't say that enough. Um, if you haven't seen Loki, even if you've been spoiled to death by me uh, talking about it a little bit, you're in for a treat. You're just in for a treat. Um, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast if you haven't seen Loki or most of Phase Four, though, uh, c- because you should experience the the titles unless you like don't want to watch Miss Marvel, uh, which I didn't watch. I thought it was a kids show at first uh, until I went back and watched it. Uh, we'll we'll get to that later. Uh, I thought I thought Miss Marvel was great. <laughs> uh, and anyway, anyways, back to Loki. L- let's finish off here. Um, the variants getting to see other versions of loki um getting to even go into the future at one point uh just like to wonder oh man i wonder if we'll be at this year in the mcu when this year rolls around and be like all right I w- well we know loki and sylvia are off on um this planet you know uh, that's about to be exploded um <laughs> there's there's so much in this show and uh, loki was one of the most fun for me i i love loki i watched it again and uh, i will watch it again um and i loki season two is going to be extraordinary so we will see where that story goes and ant-man and the wasp quantum mania uh which is coming out where i'm sitting less than two weeks away less than a week almost a week away and we're going to learn more about kang in that movie and maybe how that lines up with loki and where this Kang stands opposed to he who remains um Loki will hopefully make his way back to the Avengers where he'll be maybe ideally like the ultra Loki like he sees all these other Lokis through the TVA so I'm hoping that like Loki becomes mega like superhero Loki you know what I mean or maybe he'll go back into the MCU back into Secret Wars and again as in old Loki fashion, he'll do some deceiving and he'll work with the villains. Uh, I don't know where Loki's story is going at this point. I want him to meet Thor again. I want him to find his brother. I think this Loki's turned a new leaf and I think he's going to be a hero in the multiverse saga. He may be even the key uh, to this uh, by the end of this. Whatever the main conflict is going to be in Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, I think Loki is going to have a huge part. Loki and Sylvia are going to have a huge part in that. And uh, let's just see where that goes. The fourth entry and first movie of Phase 4 was Black Widow, and it was released on July 9th, 2021. It takes place after Civil War and before Infinity War, which I think was a really cool move by Marvel to finally, well, not finally, but at least at one point to a movie that takes place within the Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline that we know, and it dwells in to her, her backstory and we get to know a lot about her family, um, a constant theme in phase four. Yelena, her sister, 
Alexi, her father, and Melina, her mother, are the characters we kind of get to know a little bit. And also, Drakoff and Drakoff's daughter, something referenced in the first Avengers movie um, between Loki and Black Widow. Uh, really great payoff and kind of homage to that line in a way where we get to know the whole backstory of what that whole conversation between Loki and Black Widow and Avengers means um, when he tells her he has she that she has blood in her ledger and boy does she and taskmaster taskmaster is a very cool villain um learning all of these traits of the different avengers and kind of taking a little bit from each avenger uh taskmaster is a badass villain and it, it, the the twist is that it is Drakoff's daughter this is a movie of bringing family together and by like what even definition are they family at one point in the movie um natasha kind of points out that that it's not really her mom and those aren't really her parents you know the whole thing's kind of fake um because of what ended up happening to her and by the end of the movie you see natasha fighting to kind of hold these people together and she ends up making a plan with them and uh taking down the black widows um that were in the giant death star like spaceship <laughs> that was in the clouds uh that was a really cool kind of like bad guy domain um for drake off i really liked it and uh i thought like a lot of the set pieces in black widow were cool like the ending where she was just flying down out of the sky trying to save yelena and fighting soldiers and everything's just all hell's just breaking loose um really really awesome to see black widow just get her own movie and have it be up to par with other marvel movies um it could have they could have went the route where it was an entire prequel before avengers and but they decided to put it in the middle of the mcu timeline which kind of makes it special and unique in its own right you could watch um the mcu in a certain order and depending on your you know just how you're feeling that day um but i think for the sake of phase four it fits really well for the beginning of phase four bringing us back in with a character that we uh should even know this well by now um but getting to know getting to know natasha that much better like i said makes everything else she's done in the mcu that much more fruitful and black widow the movie just brings that home and Yelena is such a fun character. And our post credit scene in Black Widow, we get immediate follow-up. If you're a Falcon and Winter Soldier fan, uh, we get Val talking to Yelena at the grave of Natasha, um, having the nerve to come and talk to her um, and kind of put blame on another hero. I mean, some of the evidence is there that he came back and she didn't. Um, Hawkeye. But, dude, Val totally sells Hawkeye out to Yelena at the end of this post credit scene and it it gives us a lot of drama to think about going into the show Hawkeye which is coming out later that year um really in the MCU is really taking advantage of the fact that they got shows and they got movies and they're letting you know that we are going to be combining these worlds they're, the worlds will will collide all right moving on to Marvel's what if Marvel's what if was released on august 11th 2021 and it just keeps things going you might expect an animated show to not have a lot of story points or important information um but that is completely false marvel's what if kind of lays continues to lays the ground continues to lay the groundwork that loki did uh 
with the multiverse. And if you watch Loki, you watch Marvel's What If and think and think this is exactly what uh, Kang was talking about with all the timelines. There's no TVA to watch over the events of Marvel's What If, hence the events of Loki caused Marvel's What If. Which makes it a huge story point, introducing uh, characters like Captain Car- Captain Carter, T'Challa, Star Lord, um, the zombie. It starts off a whole zombies thing that is going to be its own show now, um, and we get the Guardians of the Multiverse by the end of it, and that is uh, one of the coolest stories um, when they go up against Super Mega Infinity Gauntlet Ultron, and uh, to save. Not even the universe, but the multiverse. The, there, there's a multiversal threat in this show that could end even the main timeline of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, the the Guardians of the Multiverse must save everything. And uh, Dark Doctor Strange, man. talk The Doctor Strange who lost his heart and not his hands. Talk about just a solo epic venture into learning a little bit more about timelines and that show you know explores time travel within its own timeline we learn about absolute points in time which is something that just can't be changed it's meant to happen in this timeline no matter what you do fighting against that absolute of point in time with the time stone even you can't change that absolute point in time the thing that's meant to happen um in this movie, it was him losing the love of his life. And this show, sorry, they're movies. They're like movies to me. Um, so I think the absolute point in time is going to probably come into play at another point coming downward in the next few phases because time travel and um, timelines and different timelines, they're only going to get a little bit more complex and a little bit more detailed. We're going to be going into these other timelines now um, and taking characters and plucking them from we might even move to another timeline for a whole other phase at one point um there's so much possibility it actually makes me nerd out here in my seat uh like like i don't even know how to talk sometimes because of the information overload you get from these movies and shows um it's so exciting there will be a season two of what if and there was a post credit scene involving captain carter finding the hydra's Stomper, I think it's called, um, with Steve Rogers in it. So the post credit scene for that was really cool, um, just setting up another season of What If. I don't know how they'll bring back the Guardians of the Multiverse, but they probably will in one way or another if it, they want it to be as awesome as the first season. Um, I thought having a show where you're thinking that every episode is standalone to only have us find out like towards the end that all of these heroes from all of these universes are going to have team up to fight a greater threat which is ultron with infinity stones that is just incredible and the animation was great and the stories were really fun and i mean even the worst episode was not a bad episode um, of marvel's what if so i thoroughly enjoyed that and i don't mind if i don't mind if they go into further animated adventures i just hope they're as detailed and well thought out as marvel's what if uh, I hope it doesn't get too off the beaten course. However, I trust Marvel. Marvel's earned my trust as a fan at this point. So um, whatever they want to do, I'm going to probably watch and 
do my best to enjoy. And if I don't, I'm going to tell you about it. Next, we have Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, released on September 3rd, 2021. It's the first Marvel film with an Asian lead and explores cultural heritage, family, and identity. That is a bullet point I had uh, <laughs> instead of getting going too off the cuff. Um, but that's a W, if you ask me. Shang-Chi introduces the Ten Rings, which is a giant underworld corporation of evil that has existed in the mcu for thousands of years and it also introduces the ten rings the actual physical object of these magical rings that give wenwu and later on sean immense power and it it's its own uh source of power the ten rings run on they are blue when used kind of evil and they're gold when used by Shang uh, in terms of being good. Uh, so I am so interested in how this, the Ten Rings, play a bigger part in the overall story. Um, and I think Shang is a huge character for Marvel uh, going forward. He's up there. He's as big as Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and Spider-Man. Uh, Shang-Chi is going to play a huge part of the of the Avengers and uh, with the 10 rings they're going to be such a huge asset to the team um, I, to see him use them even at the end of the movie he doesn't use them all movie but when Sean uses the 10 rings he literally superheroes with them <laughs> it's so cool it's so cool to imagine him using them alongside of other Avengers and like big fights um, you know big set pieces we're going to get with him oh man we're going to see so much Sean. I, i'm excited for it uh and i love the movie so much knowing that same director um who's who directed that movie is going to be directing king dynasty and that's that might also say something about the rings that might say something about the rings um shang chi pushes the family theme of phase four there's a little bit of family in all the mcu movies but uh i'm talking about like this phase is really about knowing who your family is, uh, who you want to keep as your family, and who who is who who is your in your family. Uh, I I've definitely wanted to speak on the family aspect of phase four, and now that I'm trying to sum it up, I'm sounding ridiculous. Um, but there's a huge theme of family in phase four. I'm I'm not I'm not kidding. Um, it goes through almost every movie, um, and or show. And it's important. And I think it's giving us a lot of what these heroes have to lose um, and are going to be fighting for through the rest of the multiverse saga. Because I think these base platform shows and movies, like, uh, we're not going to get a lot more movies like Shang-Chi, uh, where it's just an origin film. And for them to do an origin film, it has to go back through all of Marvel's history and embed that story in it. And that's probably a lot harder than it sounds. I mean, it sounds hard, but it's probably even a lot harder than it sounds. And Marvel doesn't take that lightly, um, adding lore and history, because it holds itself accountable to it most of the time. Um, you know, staying consistent is one of my favorite things about the MCU. And those little Easter eggs from one film to another, um, I eat that all up. That's my favorite. So Shang-Chi, great addition. I think he is going to be a long-term Avenger. I think the Ten Rings are going to play a way bigger part as the post credit scene. We get uh, Carol Danvers uh, and we get Bruce Banner along with Wong um, looking at the rings and investigating them. And they're putting out a beacon. And where is that beacon going to? Where, where is that going? So Katie and Chong, also great additions. And man, I 
am just so excited for Shang-Chi. I think he, he's here to stay. Um, if Kang takes him out first, I'm going to be actually mad because we didn't get enough time with him. Um, I think he has a little a little bit of, of a safe net in, in that regard. I think Sha- I do think Shang is here to stay. I think he's going to be around for a while. We learn later there's a, uh, a bangle that we will talk about in another show, um, that being Miss Marvel, that might connect with these rings in one way or another. Um, I'm not an original theorist on this. I, I watch plenty of YouTube videos, and I nerd out uh, online probably just like you do. Next up, we have Eternals that was released on November 5th, 2021. And Eternals was a very big movie and still kind of stands to me as one of the most out there Marvel movies that have come out as of recent. And it does another similar thing to Shang-Chi where it's introducing a new origin story, um, more background into the MCU rather than, um, you know, paving a further path. We're, we're laying a lot of groundwork, uh, especially with Eternals. Eternals goes all the way back to BC. Um, These Eternals came down to Earth to kind of set humans on a path. And we learn that they were being kind of deceived, and they've done this for centuries on planets upon planets uh, through the Celestials. Um, And basically, Earth is just like a seed world to grow a Celestial. And... (laughs) it's so huge um it's just such a big deal like the event the avengers had no idea what like what they're in for if the eternals aren't there with this like the world is done for um and the eternals totally saved the world like to a level that the avengers um basically did like they saved earth from being demolished by a giant creature uh, that was going to eat it from the inside out. Um, that is just huge. And that is not really even the main thing about this movie. That is just kind of like the thing that happens in the end of it. Um, the family theme stands true with this movie where there is a rift in this family um, and it's kind of about loyalty and belief and... Um, what what do you stand for um like what does your family stand for <laughs> are you gonna go along with this thing uh this giant planet eating monster or are you gonna like stand up to it um <laughs> you know i haven't seen eternals but two times um and i could probably go back and watch it and find a few new things every, every time i do uh the special effects are spot on special effects in marvel movies are generally usually very spot on and they don't kind of like give me any uncanny valley uh like feel and i i mean one shot i could think of is icarus laser beaming from his eyes and uh how kind of flawless that was i i like that superpower that was cool in the eternals we have cersei icarus thena ajak we meet dane whitman um kingo sprite and fastos another huge literally character we meet is erisham which is the giant celestial um overlord of the eternals um we learned some crazy things about the eternals like their thoughts and memories are like stored in these cubes on these walls um we're gonna learn so much more uh about them in probably a sequel or if not later avengers movies uh i think the eternals are gonna be needed probably to fight greater threats and i don't know how they're gonna even reunite by the end of the eternals the eternals are split up um arashim takes a few of them and um is like 
judging them and i don't know where he's bringing them because it turned out in eternals that their home world wasn't even in in existence they like they thought they came from a place and that place turned out not even being real olympia and it was olympia and olympia turned out not to be even real that like every time the eternals went to like a new world their thoughts were reset so for ages the eternals have been conquering planets for the celestials um it's a very big galaxy we're moving into different timelines within different galaxies but i mean the 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 galaxy the universe in that of a single timeline our mcu timeline is huge and marvel isn't hesitating from taking steps in that direction introducing us to the outer rims of our universe and uh giving us like characters to explore them we might not even get the eternals and the avengers maybe the eternals are a bigger part of like the phases after the multiverse saga who knows what marvel's setting up outside of the multiverse saga at this point they could be setting up stories to go beyond that at this point Hawkeye was released on November 24th, 2021, and it's like a Christmas show. Marvel's getting into themes, and I thought Hawkeye was a really fun Christmas show slash movie, and I love the character of Kate Bishop as the upcoming Hawkeye. Um, We get to learn a lot more about Clint Bartman, the damage and toll the Avengers movies have taken on him. Um, I mean, no joke, his hearing is almost completely gone in this show and it wasn't like that before um and we get a kind of montage in the show of like all the things that did that to him uh when when he is asked and we get something really special in hawkeye um a confirmation that the netflix universe of marvel was for wasn't for not it 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 does matter um if anyone cared to watch all of the marvel netflix shows being daredevil um jessica jones luke cage iron fist and defenders you were kind of hoping that we'd see those guys like running on the line with our avengers in endgame like that was kind of like what you were kind of hoping for in in the back of your mind when watching these shows not that they weren't great shows on their own but at at the time they were kind of being sold like the disney plus shows um me going into all this for one reason being we start to merge those worlds in hawkeye we get wilson fisk the wilson fisk the same wilson fisk from daredevil the tv show um from netflix and it might be now that we are in different timelines um and the multiverse is expanding ever expanding since loki did that (laughs) that we're seeing characters like variants of wilson fisk um so it might not be the exact guy who went through that exact story on daredevil on netflix but it's a variant who went through something very similar to that um on the netflix show and the netflix universe we did like the battle of new york is totally referenced so like it is a total split timeline um whether or not they decide to make it completely canon, that's still yet to be known. But it's kind of a lot saying that there's a Daredevil show coming and knowing you know, who makes a big appearance on She-Hulk Attorney at Law that Marvel is not afraid to grab from other really awesome properties and bring it into the main timeline in its own way. So we're learning about the main timeline and 
branching timelines. And if you want to include the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies as canon, you can start doing that now. But it starts to get a little tricky, which is why I gave you the numbers I gave you at the beginning. We have kind of 40 mainline MCU. But what the Multiverse Saga does is it gives us a chance to bring in pretty much any superhero franchise, um, like the old Fantastic Four. Or if you wanted to bring Batman into the next Avengers movie, I mean, the Multiverse kind of allows for that. Um, not that a lot of people would be happy about it, but I, I mean, they could, the story allows for it because in the multiverse, Gotham city is out there somewhere. Um, the movie studios don't control space time. You know what I mean? So getting completely off course of Hawkeye, you know, Hawkeye just stems that kind of thought process where, oh my goodness, we have a character that's like from, from daredevil and it shows that Marvel knows when to stand by like fan favorites and um, the right fan favorites to stand by. And I think Vincent D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk is a fantastic addition to the MCU. And he was a great villain in this show just to kind of have pop up at the end and to kind of rally up against. We don't really even see him go toe-to-toe with our main heroes. Um, we really have him see to go, to, go toe-to-toe with Echo, his niece. Not a lot of deaf, super-powered characters in the MCU, and Echo is really badass, and I'm excited for her show. I'm, I'm really interested in seeing what they're going to do with her show, if they're going to include Fisk on it, um, or if they're going to save him for Daredevil. Um, however, we do get some payoff in this series to Yelena believing that Clint Barton is responsible for Black Widow's death, Natasha Romanoff, and it is just not true. And the payoff for that is so fantastic, and we they end up having a really great conversation in it. And um, Kate Bishop is just my favorite. I think she's a great Hawkeye. We get to see her story starting at the Battle of New York, witnessing Hawkeye be an Avenger. And that's what this is all about. You know, stories are being launched now that are completely based off of other stories that we know so well. And they're basically legend now, the Battle of New York. And getting another perspective of that in Hawkeye was really cool. And Kate Bishop is was born in and, and raised in a world of superhero fights. And... She wants to be like that guy she saw basically saving her from aliens um, with a bow and arrow. Um, she she didn't want to be the in the iron suit. She wanted the bow and arrow because it's so, like, it's not as extra as everything else, you know? She, she was inspired by Hawkeye. And there's a lot of really cool, like, training scenes between her and Hawkeye in the show, more towards, like, the end when they're getting ready for their final fight. And... Uh, the camaraderie between Kate Bishop and Clint Bartman are is just fantastic, uh, and I love that chemistry and that those two characters work so well together. The casting was so good, and uh, I I just think Hawkeye overall is is kind of like going to be a timeless like Christmas Christmas watch. I think Kate Bishop is going to grow as an Avenger and a character that we get to know, and I think it's going to be like a nostalgic watch at one point in Hawkeye, um, just because of the, the time of year it was released and the story in that of itself, it's kind of lighthearted. Even the mobster characters, um, you know, <laughs> they're talking about going to concerts and stuff. I, I, I think, I think Hawkeye was a really, really fun show. Um, I, I'll say it a few times over. 
So the idea of a Young Avengers is totally being set up in this phase. Um, that can't go unnoticed, and it wasn't me who noticed it. Definitely plenty others have. I just wonder if that's the route they're going to take, or they're just going to have all the Young Avengers kind of form in a regular Avengers movie. Is is the Young Avengers just going to be a spinoff thing? Um, will, will, will that stand on its own feet? I don't know. Um, most likely it would be awesome if they decided to do it. I think I think Marvel will probably execute well. I'm just not sure their plans with introducing all these young Avengers. Hawkeye's post credit scene was the musical number Save the City from Steve Rogers, the musical in Hawkeye. Uh, so there wasn't any huge information drops at the end of Hawkeye. However, during Hawkeye, we got the release of Spider-Man No Way Home on December 17th, 2021. This was a hype release. We were getting variants of other Spider-Man villains from other Spider-Man movies. We got Doctor Strange and Spider-Man teaming up. Um, we know Spider-Man's going to be in this really cool black and gold suit um, at one point in the movie and the movie did fulfill fan expectations um, it did everything you'd want it to as a spider-man fan and more um, could it have i can't think I, it's hard to critique this movie because of how much i enjoyed it um, but could it have brought venom into the mix maybe uh, would that be, would, would that have been too many movie too many villains one movie probably i think um, they hinted at venom being a really big factor going forward in the next couple phases. Um, I think it's kind of clear that Spider-Man isn't going anywhere. He's a massive success right now. And the events of Spider-Man No Way Home start with Peter Parker trying to set his life straight uh, from the events of Far From Home, where Mysterio outs his identity to the world and makes him look like a bad guy and sets Mysterio up to be this, you know, hero um who died at spider-man's hand and peter parker has to deal with the fact that everybody knows who he is and people don't like him um so that bring that leads to him going to the one man who he can make a bargain with who can possibly change this is Do dr steven strange who we already know is going to be in a movie called the multiverse of madness coming out in a few months from then um so we can only think that something crazy is going to happen in this movie which it does um but the fabric of space-time isn't completely annihilated. Like, we'd, we wouldn't hope for that, but we want the multiverse saga to be, like, variants of all the people from all the movies coming in at all times. Like, you know, Marvel fans really want everything, and <laughs> it, it would have been really cool to get, like, every single, like, property from Spider-Man, like, in one movie, but, like, we got to save it for some of the other ones. Um, so, by the end of this movie the universe is basically like collapsing in on itself. Um, and Dr. Strange has to like patch that. And up in the sky, we see like figures of other Spider-Man villains that didn't make the cut. Um, and he fixes it, but like he has to make it. So nobody remembers Peter and like, they only know who Spider-Man is. Um, so Spider-Man is still remembered, but Peter Parker is not and to everyone. And, and he loses his aunt May in this movie. And what a hard story for Peter. Um, Peter Parker went up against some of this Peter Parker went up against pretty much every bad. He went up against Thanos. He went up against um, Doc Ock. Now he's gone up against the Vulture. Um, you know, 
all of these villains, Mysterio, all of these villains make him as a character that much stronger by the end of this story that we're, we're looking at for Spider-Man. Um, Tom Holland's Peter Parker, he's still on that journey, and he's at a low right now, but he's still picking himself up and putting on the suit, which is the most inspiring thing about the end of this movie. Um when he doesn't have to be Spider-Man anymore, it's all he really has. So he's living in an apartment, kind of a one-bedroom situation, similar to like the Tobey Maguire movies, where Spider-Man is like on a street level now. Um, he's probably not even super affiliated with the Avengers. He's just protecting New York City, and we get this really cool scene towards the end, at the exact end, where he's like sliding on rooftops and uh, in and snowy rooftops, and he's he's web slinging in his new outfit which is just like custom made and fabric and he he's been through it but spy this spider-man the story potential is so big for him now with kingpin being back um what a fun movie spider-man no way home was probably my favorite of the tom holland spider-man movies and it took leaps of faith and it landed like how could you imagine that they'd bring andrew garfield and toby mcguire in and have that be like really well put into the story and have it make sense well if loki didn't happen and if we weren't in the multiverse saga um I, it would make a little less sense but knowing about variants and having that be explored already and knowing why they're allowed to be um now like it, it all makes sense to have william defoe be our green goblin versus tom holland spider-man and have it work so he popped right out of one movie into this one that is just so epic. It is so epic, and I still can't get over it. It's been over a year. And to think that those Spider-Man movies now like fit into the MCU like as this is like a sequel to all of those movies. And it makes even the Andrew Garfield movies, which weren't received super great by me personally when they came out. It didn't mean I didn't like Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. It brings those movies to a close in a way, but also sets each of those Spider-Men up for more Spider-Man movies if they wanted to do them, which they probably will. Um, if I get to see Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man more, I would be so happy. And I don't want it at the cost of Tom Holland. I want all my Spider-Men. I want all the Spider-Men. They, they deserve, they are all deserving to be Spider-Man and they should all get more movies, more movies. <laughs> this leads to me segueing out of Spider-Man No Way Home because I could probably talk about Spider-Man longer than anything else um i'm a huge fan and i think we'll come back around maybe to other spider-man movies at one point in this podcast my goal is to touch every mcu property all 40 that we got so far even though we're going forward and um i haven't even hit half of them yet so there's a lot of potential for this podcast but i don't want to get too ahead of myself spider-man no way home incredible um moon knight released march 30th 2022 i haven't talked about moon knight on the show i have watched it i thought it was so much fun the dynamic between mark specter and steven um really really interesting to have a character with like split personalities and to introduce like another world of like gods um it, it, i was a little skeptical at first i'm like how is this gonna fit in with thor but if you think about it there are so many different religions and so many different beliefs that if you want to kind of categorize them and put them on their own realms it's possible um so we get a whole new world kind of in moon Knight. we meet Kanshu, who is the god of moon and he makes moon Knight 
Moon Knight. <laughs> he may turns Mark Spector into Moon Knight. Um, there have been other Moon Knights though, throughout history, we've learned. And um, Mark Spector is like in line after this guy, Arthur Harrow. And Arthur was played by Ethan Hawke, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, and this guy is like on Mark's ass the whole show. We learn that there are other gods that take avatars, as they're called. Not like the similar to the TV show in a sense um, and the movies, but not really. Um, it's a whole different thing. Um, and there, there's like a council of gods and um, they speak through their avatars. And Khonshu was a totally outcast and is barely even in with these gods. But um, <laughs> uh, it, it's very interesting. I, I kind of wish I covered Moon Knight episode by episode and I'm may consider going back to do that at one point, uh, depending on how big a party he plays in the MCU. Um, but for now, we'll just keep it here. I like that when Mark takes the form of Moon Knight, he has a different outfit than Steven. And uh, Steven's like a suit, and Mark is kind of like a more cape cape look, like traditional superhero. Um, I, I think the post credit scene of this show was really dark and really cool, um, jumping a little bit ahead to it, where we learn Mark's third personality is still like doing bad things um so it's kind of introducing like more of the anti-hero hero in moon knight um not that mark's bad but he has the potential to be with his split personalities and being the moon knight um he's you know doing exactly what Kanchu wants and um Kanchu got has got a guy who doesn't want to like pretty much bid for him all the time in two of his personalities, but by the end of the end of the show, we learn that he has a third personality that's doing kind of all these dark things on Conchu's behalf, which is uh, kind of scary. <laughs> um, I think the big boss fight at the end um, with the other crocodile god um, that was pretty cool. I thought it was maybe a little extra, but hey, it's Marvel, and uh, what a fun what a fun show! I think we're going to be seeing more of Moon Knight in one way or another. I don't know how he'll team up with like the Avengers, but I think he's going to have a part to play, and maybe another team up, like uh, a darker sort of team up with some with the guy from Werewolf by Night, um, which was another another show we haven't talked about on here, which we're going to talk about soon. Um, it seems like we're going for some darker superheroes in this phase of the MCU. We're starting to learn about another side of things, which is the paranormal side of things too. Um, mixed with another world of gods among men um, shows that Thor isn't the only one. So a lot to think about after Moon Knight. However, it's pretty much an encapsulated story this phase, like a lot of the stories we get are. Next, we have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It was released on May 6th, 2022. I love this movie. I think it got a lot of heat uh, from some hardcore Marvel fans, maybe hoping for a little bit more from the multiverse or um, more from the story. I don't know what the criticism was really for because i thought this was a ride uh, we meet america chavez who is able to travel between multiverses with her power um from different universes i i don't know if she was kind of born out of the loki story where the multiverse expands and then there's america chavez all of a sudden um i wouldn't be surprised at that however america chavez is on the run and she is with the doctor strange variant being chased by this giant monster who we later can assume to be wanda who is using the dark hold uh wanda wants america's powers just simple as that to 
be with her children. Um, she wants to get a version of her children straight up to her reality. Um, and she's going to do anything she can to do that. And she, when she learns of America, however she learns of her, she is not going to let go of getting America to use those powers. So America ends up uh, with the help of this variant, Dr. Strange, who is totally about to turn on her um, for the good of all the multiverse um, or something like that. He ends up saving her and sending her to the OG Dr. Strange uh, dimension, our, our main timeline, the sacred timeline. And he has to save her from another giant monster. Um, Wanda is a monster in this movie uh it's very cool though the the fight they have on the street wong um has some really cool moments and he is now in this phase the master of the mystic arts instead of dr strange himself um that title was handed over during the snap and it never was released so technically dr strange isn't even the master of the mystic arts at this exact moment uh however he he is ours he like as an audience you're you're rooting for strange uh i i think we're also rooting for wong um i i want wong to be the master of the mystic arts as well i'm very happy with that uh, position for him he's such a great character there's a moment in this movie where it very very much seems like wong is gone and i I don't know why, but like I laughed out of frustration. I remember in the theater, I was the only one. Uh, I wasn't happy that Wong was going. It was just like so sudden. I was like, no, like what? Wong is okay. He's, he's okay. He's hanging on a cliff. Uh, we get to meet some really cool variants of superheroes and new superheroes and homages to superheroes in this movie uh, through the Illuminati, who is it's run by Professor X, Charles Xavier. And we we get some really cool cameos like Captain Carter, um, John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. And they are kind of this egocentrical superhero force. They're a lot they've they've dealt with some darker forces in this universe than the Avengers, and they take everything very seriously, and especially the threat of Doctor Strange. They this group of the Illuminati when they fought Thanos and one of my favorite parts of this movie is just going back to Titan in that timeline and just getting to see that the, the fight with Thanos, it, it was an absolute point in time in that in all multiverses. Um, I might be using the word wrong in this, in this instance. Um, however, the phrase absolute point in time, um, in that Thanos fights for these infinity stones in every reality it is undeniable that thanos is going to go for the stones and fight the heroes that do exist in whatever far-fetched timeline there is there's a thanos and he wants the stones and that might mean a lot going forward a lot more going forward as me being a huge fan of thanos um there's a lot to say about maybe who kang will equip in his army um and you know join forces with maybe a variant of thanos at one point because we know thanos is out there in infinite realities getting the stones and what does somebody who conquers what does he want he wants more power so he's going to want probably like a general like thanos if thanos if a variant of thanos can be swayed into being somewhat of a general or like you know a, a sub leader to a multiversal army how scary would that be i don't think he'd steal the spotlight either i think more character work from thanos josh brolin would be incredible and just the fact that we got a little bit of him in this movie you can just imagine the way that fight went down black bolt and mr fantastic um how did they take how did they take the thanos down along with professor x and miss marvel um well they jabbed him with something <laughs> he was like completely imp 
plowed on something when we see him. So the fight was a lot more violent, and they use the Book of Ashanti, which is this super powerful kind of opposite dark hold. It's like completely light. Um, they use that to destroy Thanos apparently too. They they use that to their assistance. And in this timeline, we learn of an incursion. And what an incursion is is very way maybe even more important than an absolute point in time. It's that when a universe collides with another universe and only one can kind of survive. And what this other Doctor Strange did that was so horrible was he destroyed universes by accident or on purpose just to find the answer to defeat Thanos. Um, so the Book of Ashanti didn't really help this Doctor Strange. It turned everyone against him. And after the fight with Thanos, they considered him a bigger threat than Thanos. That just goes to show the potential power of Doctor Strange. And I think going forward, is Doctor Strange going to be a threat to the Avengers or is he going to be an asset? Um, that untamed power, we know, we, we've seen it in the Dark Doctor Strange in Marvel's What If. Um, this phase doesn't hesitate to show us all sides and many variants of Strange. And I think this Stephen Strange is going to have some dark demons to fight in the next movie of his. And I, I hope that happens before uh, the next Avengers. I want to see a trilogy of Doctor Strange because at, by the end of this movie, America is saved. Um, we see the Illuminati just decimated by Wanda, which almost is, again, a thing that makes her slightly unredeemable. However... The Illuminati set up to be a little bit evil feeling. Like there's an evil feeling to them. Like they're in this like compound that's like guarded by Stark robots. And where is Stark? Um, there's a lot of like wishy washy stuff about the Illuminati. So when they go, you're not you're not as connected to them. Professor X has this really great moment, really great moment trying to save Wanda, and you really think. Oh, it's going to be Professor X that turns Wanda back, obviously. Um, no. Professor X is just brutalized, just like everyone else. And that just goes to show Wanda is ruthless. And it's going to be hard to bring her back from that. But it'd be really interesting to see them do that similar to how they do with Loki, maybe for a greater threat down the line. Um, by the end of this movie, Wanda is dreamwalking which is jumping into another multiversal version of yourself, the direct thing that can cause incursions. And the Illuminati never considered Wanda a threat, so they were they were eliminated by Wanda, and she got a hold of America Chavez, and by the end of the movie, um, Steven has to dreamwalk into his old... That, that variant we see at the beginning of the movie, he buried his body, he dreamwalks into that body to help... America take down Wanda and Wanda is collapsed in on herself in this. Um, so it doesn't look too great for Wanda. Like this could be the end of Wanda Maximoff as we know. However, vision is still out there. There was no answers to where vision was. I think some people were maybe expecting a little bit of vision follow up in this movie. There wasn't. And that's okay. It gives me hope for future Wanda vision. Um, there could be a whole other version of Wanda vision that isn't even sitcom um, where these two reunite and, um, it could be a second season or it could be a movie. I, I think Wanda, Wanda vision needs to happen. I think those two deserve each other after all they've been through, except poor visions going to have to know how evil Wanda has become. Maybe they'll even have to go against each other at some point. I thought the variants in this movie 
there weren't many, you know, that, that I think that's what pe- more people were maybe hoping for. Maybe like more variants of more heroes or more Dr. Strangers, just more. Everyone wants more. However, the story was really focused on Wanda and Dr. Strange and their, uh, the Scarlet Witch and Dr. Strange, not to take her name away, um, that conflict. And I, I think we got to see some really cool factors of different, uh, of different universes and their potential. Instead of going to a million, we went to like three and we got to see what an incursion looks like with that evil Dr. Strange and his third eye popping out, um, only later to reveal in the post credit scene, Dr. Strange has attained that power as well. And, he did cause an incursion. We learned from another um, cosmic character played by Charlize Theron. Um, I don't know the character's name. I probably should, but I don't. I'm not going to look it up at this exact moment because I'm on a roll talking about Doctor Strange. Um, and she takes him to go fight incursions in another multiverse by the end of this movie. So at this point... Doctor Strange isn't even on Homeworld. Wong is holding things down. Doctor Strange can take multiversal vacations because Wong is the master of the mystic arts and reality. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is a glue to Phase 4. And I think it'll get better with age. I think it will be a staple of the MCU with age. Just maybe we'll get more Mr. Fantastic with John Krasinski. And that scene will have that much more weight. Um, Just to see it's going to be hard because to see a version of that hero played by John Krasinski taken down. Um, it's not to say he was taken down easily, but he, he was, he kind of was, he was exploded and it was, it was brutal. And I hope if they bring him back as Mr. Fantastic, we can redeem that and maybe make that moment have a little bit more weight in this movie. I'm assuming we'll see more America Chavez in one way or another. She seems pretty important in terms of multiversal travel and or whatnot, honing in on that power. Um, I don't know how she's going to do that, but she seems to be able to open portals to where she wants or needs to be. Uh, and that's what kind of strange points out to her in this movie you've always gone where you've needed to go your powers have always taken you there and that's you doing that whether it's subconscious or it's in you um so i think we're going to get more of her eventually i don't know how like i said there's kind of a young avengers thing happening setting up a young avenger so i don't know how we're going to get to see all these young avengers come into play speaking of young avengers we are moving on to number 12 miss marvel it was released on june 8th 2022 if i'm being honest this is the show that i wrote off this i didn't give this show the time of day when it came out and when i went back to watch it i really enjoyed it we get our first muslim superhero in kamala khan aka miss marvel and she gets her powers originally from a bangle that her grandma once possessed and she has it now and she gets this incredible superpower where she can kind of make her hands grow and she can walk on these like cosmic platforms and she's her superpowers are very visually uh pleasing i like i kind of like when she's throwing her powers down and then she's running on the platforms that she creates um it's a really cool way i can't imagine to see her i can't imagine seeing her in action with other avengers um using that i mean you can see after seeing the avengers and a few avengers movies you meet a hero and you instantly want to see how they collaborate with other heroes and i can only imagine that she's going to be a very collaborative hero um in the marvels and in the avengers when when she joins forces if she joins forces with the avengers if it's not a young Avengers situation like i said we might be going as i said in multiple directions with the team-up movies 
there might be more than one team up movie, which is going to be a lot of payoff and probably a shorter amount of time with all the setup we've been getting. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to whatever team ups are in the future. When we start the series, Kamala Khan is just a huge fan of Captain Marvel and what she did in the events of Avengers Endgame by taking down Thanos' ship. And we get some really cool animation showing that she's kind of a content creator in her own right. And she's making... Uh, videos about it and she is trying to go to avenger con the very first one and it is a really fun thing to see avenger con we know scott lang has like a book out there uh telling about his side of the story and, and I, I guess that kind of gets the information out to the world about what happened during the events of avengers endgame so like it can be common knowledge how the avengers fought thanos um from a kind of a first-hand recollection like that and especially somebody like scott lang who um helped so in immensely in getting like the time travel thing on its feet um if it weren't for scott coming back out of that portal everything would be a lot different out of the portal out of the minivan um from the quantum realm he was trapped there for moments and it turned into years um but that's getting a little bit off track kamala khan finds this bangle and she starts superheroing pretty instantly um until she learns of her descendants and some people who want to take this bangle away from her from another realm the antagonist in this is najma along with her son cameron um who are explaining to her at the beginning of the show that her team the clandestites were exiled from the noor dimension alongside alicia and that they wish to return home however the clandestites quickly turned on khan forcing her to fight them while also attempting to avoid being captured by damage control i took some of this from the marvel wikipedia because i couldn't think of the name of the antagonist in this from another dimension it's a huge deal that they're bringing in other dimensions the nor dimension and we also have talo which might be another dimension in that of itself I'm not certain how dimensions really work within the sacred timeline in that there is a multiverse. There's a lot of like there are other Kamala Khans and other universes doing this thing. And where does the Nora dimension stand in all that? Um, so damage control is on the case in this show. Uh, we meet damage control helping clean up the city uh, after the fight in New York. And this is in Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, we meet them uh, kind of like making they pretty much made the vulture into vulture by rejecting him from cleaning up the city um so damage control has good intentions kind of started by tony stark however they're it's probably fallen into some bad hands and it's just kind of being used to investigate people um wrongly and i think they go over the top in this and it's kind of kind of cool how they interact with the story though it's kind of like a third villain on the side and i think it's just setting damage control control up in the mcu to have more stake in the story um there needs to be a, a thing that cleans up all the battles still so i i think that the, to have them in place probably is pretty useful there will be like more battle of new york level battles hopefully not but i mean it, it's the mcu so i think there's probably going to be like other big superhero fights on earth that are going to be need to be dealt with um i don't know if they only operate within the u.s damage control or they somehow have like a like united nations like treaty or something where they can go into other countries and like help after superhero fights happen um 
Miss Marvel was a really fun show, introducing a new young hero, and she does save the day um, from Nanja and her son, who's kind of led with bad intentions but has his own powers by the end of the show. She saves Cameron from being taken by damage control. Um, so it's kind of a complex mission for her in her early superhero days, but she conquers. She learns from her friend Bruno that she possess mutant genetics. So this is one of the first times we're hearing about mutants in the MCU and that's going to play a big role at one point. I don't know when we're going to get the X-Men, but it's already confirmed the Hugh Jackman will be back in Deadpool 3, which is going to be an MCU movie. I don't know what's going to happen in that, but that's going to be exciting. I think I say I don't know what's going to happen in that about everything. Uh, <laughs> it's probably like my catchphrase at this point. The mutants in the MCU is a big deal, and that's what these Disney Plus shows are really special for, being able to kind of deliver us some of this information very early and hint that mutants are coming. Mutants are here. And it's just a matter of time before we have the X-Men. And that's really exciting. The post credit scene to Miss Marvel is extra awesome. Uh, Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, puts on her bangle and is just flown into her closet. where She is replaced by Captain Marvel herself, Brie Larson. And I thought this was really really cool i think this is going to lead into the marvels another movie coming out and it's a sequel to miss marvel so it's a team-up movie already we're getting like sub team-up movies with superheroes of similar powers i mean miss marvel and captain marvel don't have super similar powers they just have similar names and miss marvel is a huge fan of captain marvel um and monica rambeau being related to Captain Marvel being that her mom was a fellow pilot and we get to see Monica Rambeau when she's super young in the original Miss Marvel movie. Um, so there's been a lot of groundwork for the Marvels being laid out in this phase and we're going to see a superhero mega team up with them uh, within the next couple years. Next, on July 8th, 2022, Thor Love and Thunder was released and it is the fourth Thor movie. How many superheroes in the franchise have four movies yet? None. We're coming up on a fourth Captain America. There was never a fourth Iron Man. I mean, you can count all of the Avengers movies as sequels for all of them, which would just make Thor have even more movies. So is it a risk to bring Thor into another movie? No, because Thor is a god among men, and he's supposed to be around longer than uh, the other heroes. I, I think it's really cool that they're sticking with Thor and we still have Thor in the MCU. I thought this movie was really colorful. It was a lot different than the other Thor movies. Every Thor movie has its own tone and somehow we have a maybe the darkest, most evil villain in the Thor franchise. Gore the God Butcher, played by Christian Bale, um, loses his daughter and to a god because of a god, but God wouldn't help him when he really needed help he was pretty much stranded and dying and he was granted this evil sword that gave him powers of, of gods to destroy gods and it pretty much makes his it becomes his mission to destroy and eliminate all gods all gods must die um or something like that <laughs> something along the terms of that and uh kind of straightforward yet this man is fighting for a lot um so what does he do he ends up taking all of the kids from new asgard hostage um like if if i can't have a kid nobody can uh so he 
kind of hits Thor at home at one point. Um, in the midst of all this, we learn that Jane Foster, Thor's original love interest, only love interest, was diagnosed with cancer and she's dying. And we kind of get to see a little bit more about their relationship and what happened during all of Marvel um, with them. While their love never died, they slowly drifted apart and Thor put unknowingly an enchantment on Mjolnir to always protect Jane and Jane was drawn to Mjolnir. So this is a really epic kind of cancer versus becoming a superhero moment. Um, and Jane Foster is really strong and she decides to take the mantle of Thor herself, uh, which is revealed uh, at a moment of excellence when uh, Thor is trying to protect New Asgard from an attack by Gore um, or Gore's kind of demons. And um, we get to see them fighting alongside each other, which you thought... which. You never think you would see. I mean, from the first Thor movie, where Jane is just basically the love interest. She's a genius. She's a scientist, but she's not a superhero. And I was always wondering how they were going to pull this off. But it makes so much sense that Thor would like pray in any way that Jane is protected. And it, it's so cool that Mjolnir is something that is saving Jane from being sick. Um, but in the movie, we learn that it's technically like worsening things. Um, but it doesn't stop Jane from wanting to be Thor. Thor deduces that Gore has taken all the children to the Shadow Realm and he needs help. So he goes to Zeus, another god, um, for help and an army. Zeus does not go for this, instead, tries to have Thor captured, which leads to a big fight where um, our man Korg loses his entire body and is just a head. Uh, <laughs> that happens, and Thor impales Zeus with his own thunderbolt and keeps the thunderbolt via valkyrie and they escape to go fight gore in a battle that they lose it was a trap gore just needed um stormbreaker to open the bifrost and he wanted he wants to go to a place called the center of the universe so he can destroy all gods however this is fumbled by thor when he comes back for a final fight um, with a surprise appearance by jane who wasn't supposed to be there but she shows up anyway thor uses the thunderbolt to give all the children the power of thor and they use their powers to defeat the shadow monsters that gore is providing while he's opening a portal to the center of the universe they shatter the necrosword into pieces um, but that dooms jane foster and gore thor recovers stormbreaker and has the children use it to return home but they could not stop gore from entering eternity thor and jane's love reminded gore of the love he had with his daughter and he decides to use his wish to resurrect her instead of erasing all gods um and eventually we lose jane foster to cancer uh, which is very sad but thor decides to be a father to gore's daughter she wields Stormbreaker while he wields Mjolnir again, and they travel the galaxy uh, assisting anyone who might need it. And Thor is back in action, and he has a kid now, so he has more to protect, more Avengers with more to lose, more family on the line, um, family lost, family gained. Um, this phase is all about family. Our post credit scene in this movie brings us back to Zeus, who is just rallying his son Hercules to go into battle against Thor. So we have a new threatened Hercules somewhere out there. Um, he seems very powerful. I, I just don't think anyone could take down Thor. So what 
role is Hercules going to play going forward? Um, I mean, we meet Adam Warlock in a post credit scene from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 years ago, and we're only yet to about to meet him in the new Guardians movie coming out later this year. So who knows where Hercules will show up in what movie later, um, but I think he's going to be challenging Thor, and it's going to be revenge for what Thor did to Zeus. So we'll see what happens with that. Next, on August 10th, 2022, I Am Groot, five fun short minisodes were released to Disney+. Plus. This is kind of the most out there on my list in terms of like adding this to Phase 4. However, this is a part of Phase 4, and this was released definitively um, in the timeline. So I, I completely consider it canon and um, a number on this list, and I thought it was a really fun watch. I broke these episodes down beat by beat, moment by moment uh, earlier last year and when they when they came out, and um, I think it just shows a little bit of Groot growing up, shows us what life is like for Groot on the Guardian ship, kind of being a tiny Groot, growing into a slightly bigger Groot, and this all takes place before Infinity War, uh, right after the first Guardians during and between uh, Guardians 2. So there's a lot of time covered in this show. And it just get, we just get to know Groot a little bit better. And um, there's going to be more Groot to come in Guardians 3, obviously. And we get to see him in the Guardians holiday special as well. Um, I love Groot. And I Am Groot was really fun. There's really not much to add to the overall Phase 4 story for I Am Groot. Um, you could just watch them in about 20 to 30 minutes, all five of them. Next, we have She-Hulk Attorney at Law that was released on August 18th, 2022. I had a lot of fun covering She-Hulk on this show. Um, if you want to go back, you can listen to every episode. There's an after show for on this podcast. Um, we did cover most th things in Phase 4, but not everything. And my goal going forward is to try and hit everything that comes out as it comes out while retrospectively covering things that I've missed and haven't covered, even from as early as Iron Man 3, where I will pick up, because um, I've covered all of Phase 1, so our next retrospect movie will be Iron Man 3, and I'm going to be going forward from there in off time. Jennifer Walters is Bruce Banner's cousin, and they are close, at least fairly close, and at the beginning of the show, they're on the road together and get into a car accident because a Sakarian spaceship, um, Sakar being the planet that Hulk and Thor fight on in Thor Ragnarok. A Sakarian spaceship lands pretty much in front of them and flies them off the road. After the accident, Jen is trying to get to Bruce and a bunch of his blood falls into her open wound, turning her into She-Hulk. And she is a lawyer and she is very adamant to let you know at the beginning of this show, you, the audience member, she's breaking the fourth wall. She's here to say that this is a lawyer show. So get ready for this to be a lawyer show. However, the MCU gives us a treat in She-Hulk, and it's a long-running show with nine episodes, with Jen coming to accept who she is across the series of this show as She-Hulk, um, separating those personalities, and by the time she becomes pretty much famous for you know antics in the courtroom she kind of has a tr has an identity crisis where she doesn't even like herself Jen um or she's having trouble like having pe like understanding why people don't like Jen opposed to She-Hulk who everyone loves and just wants to know um by the end of the show, um, we kind of are in a situation where her blood's been stolen and she's fallen in love with somebody who completely betrays her. 
and I think that's when she rages out the most um, when she finds out that she's been betrayed to learn that she is capable of being a Hulk that does rage, um, not unlike her cousin Bruce. Um, we get to see Abomination in the show. She defends him and uh, successfully gets him released from prison, which by the end of the show, he ends right back where he started uh, because he broke his parole. Uh, the Abomination was a great addition to the series. Emil Blonsky, um, really cool. Uh, really really good visual effects on him. We didn't even need to see as much of him because Emil Blonsky carried the show. He was really funny. He expected him from the first Incredible Hulk movie to be a little bit meaner and hold some resentment, but he's kind of went on like the Buddhist path, and he's really cool and chill in this show um i think jen's friends are fun and her colleagues and uh i think having this show be nine episodes to get to know the hero a little bit better was a smart decision and the end of the show when we get a conflict and jen doesn't want to deal with the conflict at hand um she basically just breaks the fourth wall and goes into the writer's room of marvel and says look i don't like where my show is uh can we fix it and they take her to kevin um a representation of Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel, um, who is this, this robot who makes and runs all the decisions at Marvel. Um, and Jen bargains with Kevin to have like her ending for her show and have all these like kind of convoluted plots be put aside. She Hulk twerks with Megan the Stallion and she fights off villains with Daredevil. Matthew Murdoch himself shows up what an entrance to and i thought that episode was so much fun i still remember the name ribbon and rip it um such 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 a really amazing entrance for matt murdoch in the mcu aside from his i mean his appearance in spider-man no way home was what it was his first appearance but i mean as daredevil himself uh we even get a little bit of his theme music in this show um we get his walk of shame home uh <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Uh, I, I love how Jen Walters breaks the fourth wall, similar to Deadpool, and I can't imagine and wonder if those two characters will ever meet and how that will work with them both breaking the fourth wall and talking to us as an audience. Um, even by like the second to last episode, Jen's like, isn't something really bad supposed to happen right now? In story-wise, like, aren't we in that at that point in the show? Or It's not over, right? Like, She kind of gets exactly on our level, which is just a really fun way to tell stories. Are we going to get her and Deadpool in an Avengers movie doing that to us? I think She-Hulk got some negative reception. Um, if it were because the lead is a female that is ridiculous and it is garbage and i think the only criticism that can be given is to maybe some of the cgi during some of the scenes could have been a little bit stronger um but sometimes i'm looking at she hulk and i'm like man that is a that is a green woman i i think the cgi is like spot on a lot of the show um I like Jen Walter so much i want to see more of her in the mcu it scares me um to think what's going to happen with bruce and his son um i don't know why like i feel like bruce is like a little more doomed now that there's like another hulk in play there's like a chance that we're going to lose our og hulk at one point like in the near future um i don't know i don't know if we're going to get maybe like they've been a lot of people have been speculating a world war hulk movie which would have resulted in the twist that we got on this show where bruce brings his son to a family barbecue um from from sakar um that planet that took place on thor ragnarok um yeah the war world so 
I don't know if we're going to get a movie like that or we're just going to get a whole separate story with all the Hulks, maybe a Hulk movie with She-Hulk, regular Hulk, Hulk's son. Um, that would be really fun too. So they've set up a lot of Hulk and She-Hulk, not only for her, but for her family. And we can only imagine where in the multiverse saga we're going to see Jen Walters next. I have a feeling it will be in Daredevil's show to return the favor. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Our post-credit scene for She-Hulk is Abomination being freed from prison again from Wong, who was sent. To, I mean, Abomination was uh, going to be in there for like another ten years, and Wong decided to save him. Who knows what type of team up that's going to lead uh, towards? Where is Abomination going to be seen next? Is he going to turn bad again, or is he going to be on some sort of team like the Thunderbolts? Who knows? Um, I never talked about our post-credit scene for Eternals. Um, there's two of them, so I'm going to actually jump back to that really fast. One, we get a guy named Star Fox. He's another Eternal, and he pretty much tells them he's Thanos' brother, and he's with a gremlin guy who I think is played by Seth Rogen. If not, he might be. He might. He should be. Uh, <laughs> and basically, the Eternals are trying to figure out what happened to the other Eternals, um, on earth that disappeared and star fox is going to help them find them second post credit scene shows dane whitman played by kit harrington uh discovering the ebony blade which in the marvel comics is a sword that grants its wielder the powers of the black knight um someone from the shadows pretty much asked dane if he's ready for this that is assumed to be blade so we have like another type of avengers level team up happening here with blade and the black knight who could team up with somebody like moon knight um for a series that i'm learning about and on my own from the from the marvel comics called midnight suns um it's kind of like an underworld avengers werewolf by night was released on october 7th 2022 i'm going to quote the show exactly in our modern world this is where monsters dwell alongside those who hunt and slaughter them with pride none more prolific than the bloodstone family whose patriarch has long controlled the powerful supernatural relic the bloodstone a weapon unlike any other but now this weapon is in want of a new master for ulysses bloodstone has died in Werewolf by Night, it is his funeral. Hunters have gathered from around the globe, strangers until this night, for a ceremonial hunt which will decide who will next wield the bloodstone. And woe to the monster who finds itself among them. That is really important because this Werewolf by Night is the dive into the supernatural realm of Marvel. We follow Jack Russell, who is just blatantly a hidden werewolf we learned by the end of this um into ulysses bloodstone's manor um we also meet elsa bloodstone his daughter and verusa bloodstone um i believe his wife um and there is immense conflict between verusa and elsa um most of the people there fighting for the bloodstone believe elsa shouldn't even be there um jack and and elsa kind of make an alliance early in this like greatest game where all the people are fighting each other alongside trying to fight the monster who is weakened by the bloodstone. Um, so I thought the bloodstone at first was maybe like an early version of the reality stone. And we were going to see like how the reality stone ended up where it did in Thor, um, dark world however this is not the case this is just another superpower stone that we're kind of learning about the creature that they're supposed to be hunting is apparently jack russell's friend and he's there to save him and this creature is called in the comics man thing 
Despite being captured, Jack lets Elsa know that he is a werewolf and they could use the bloodstone for him to transform despite it not being a full moon. And he does just that. And he takes a big like smell of Elsa just so he maybe remembers her scent and doesn't attack her because as a werewolf, he's very uncontrollable. Um, at one point, Jack takes down all the guards and has to flee before he tramples Elsa, who he's on top of, but runs away from eventually there's a little bit of love there and i I wonder if that's going to be further explored between elsa and jack um at this moment verusa enters and elsa has the bloodstone and she's pretty much telling her she's going to pay for what she's done um you know kind of you know elsa bloodstone did kind of go go and like tear this whole monster hunting ceremony down however it was kind of ridiculous to begin with um the monster has a soul and feelings clearly um so to be hunting it like for prey it's just ridiculous so verusa got what she had coming um when man thing stomps down and just like disintegrates her with his hands um one of the coolest moments of the movie uh slash special presentation by far um at the end of this elsa has the bloodstone and she sits in her chair uh that's where we leave her and then we get russell who wakes up in human form to the song over the rainbow uh on a phonograph and it's color now and he finds man thing playing solitaire and sits with him to have a drink of coffee and that's where we leave werewolf and man thing and i wonder if we're going to get them in some sort of a marvel's midnight suns type deal team up what are the where are what in the holy team ups phase four phase four so much groundwork for new story that it it doesn't bother with like holding your hand really it wants you to have like no expectations but also as a marvel fan you can only have the highest of expectations and i can only expect that they are laying a lot of groundwork during phase four black panther wakanda forever was released on november 11th 2022 and this movie stands as a beautiful homage to the former black panther chadwick boseman who will always be the black panther in my heart we paid homage to him in the opening of the movie where it shows a bunch of versions of Black Panther in all of his movies. And I thought that the fact that he kind of died in the MCU, similar to how he died in real life, where he was kind of carrying this sickness with him, didn't tell anybody about it. Um, it gives so much more weight to that hero of Chadwick Boseman that he was able to give us the the time that we had with Black Panther, even though he was sick, he could have taken a seat after civil war um, or his first movie um, Black Panther and not done infinity war or Endgame. Um, yet he was so sick and he didn't tell anyone. He didn't complain and he gave us such a performance and I'll never forget him. Um, I'll never forget this Black Panther. I'll cherish our time with him in the in the mcu um and it's in the sacred timeline and i i I don't think his story could have been any more perfect um despite him not having to die in real life and us selfishly getting to see him as black panther for how many more years um but life takes turns that we don't expect and this movie paid like i said homage to this man um shuri it takes her a long time to pick up the mantle of the Black Panther in this film, uh, just because of how like awestricken she is by the death of T'Challa. Meanwhile, the world wants the vibranium from Wakanda, and we 
get this kind of like United Nations scenes uh, scene where like the Dora Milaje caught French operatives trying to steal vibranium from an outpost and they completely thwart the attack. Um, Ramonda, the queen, talks to the United Nations and reveals that the operation was endorsed by their government. She reminds the UN that even though the Black Panther is gone, that they will still fight. Americans are using a vibranium detector created by a young scientist named Riri Williams, who kind of has a side life being her own Iron Man. She's that smart. She builds her own Iron Man suit. Um, But anyway, they build this vibranium detector, which detects vibranium above the Telocanial. Um, The best way I can put it, uh, Namor's tribe underwater um, that kind of live on this other amount of vibranium that like even the wakandans didn't know about they find completely impossible um so they attack the people trying to take the vibranium and hence like a war is a brew because america thinks that it was the wakandans that attacked the ship and it wasn't it was the talocanil um i'm probably saying that so wrong um i think this conflict is one of the most complex we had in a Marvel story where it's like nations, um, like it's a, like a na- nation conflict, um, where we haven't had that. Like it's been very like character driven. Um, but this sub, this sub like fighting leads to Wakanda and the Talokanil to go at war with each other. And this doesn't end super great for the queen who ends up dying in an attack we learn in this movie that Everett Ross is with Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, and they well isn't with her. She he was with her. He's her ex husband. So a little bit more story building for Val um, in this movie. A final kind of uh, reminder that hey, I'm still here. I'm putting together a super team somewhere in the background of all this. Uh, we're gonna see. We're gonna see like payoff to that in Phase Five, if not Phase Six for sure, um, with the Thunderbolts and eventually Riri Williams joins forces with shuri and once the queen dies they decide to double down they uh, create the heart-shaped herb they recreate it because they were all destroyed because of killmonger um, when shuri eats it she gets to see killmonger um, instead of who she was probably hoping to see t'challa and it kind of sets her on a path of like am i going to be really bad or am i going to like handle this with grace um she pretty much said she wants to see the world burn and that's why namor was trying to make a deal with shuri at one point in the movie um he says let's burn it together um namor wants to hold his people safe and that's basically why you can kind of relate to Namor. Namor is a fighter for his tribe. Um, and he's really not in a place where he wants to like hurt people unless he has to. Um, but he's kind of taking that offense in this movie. Um, and by the end of the movie, when he goes toe to toe with black Panther, Shuri finally suits up, which is so epic. We get some really great fight scenes with her and Ironheart at the end of this movie. Who's going to have her own series. Riri Williams. She's going to have her own series as Ironheart. It's set up in this. Um, they take down namor but with a peace treaty um she takes off one of his leg fins uh things like i don't know but what what is name how does namor fly um he has these things on his legs that are like fin wings (laughs) and he he's namor could be a very cool superhero he's pretty much like the mcu aquaman um we get some really epic scenes with him in this movie too especially when he's attacking wakanda he is uh on the offense man um this movie like i said 
homage to Chadwick Boseman in that we get to see his long lost son by the end of the movie and uh, Shuri gets to meet him and it's kind of a full circle story for Shuri um, hoping helping her be able to move on and become the Black Panther even further in future stories maybe even another movie um, especially the Avengers team ups um, Shuri is the definitive Black Panther now and she earned it in this complex story Finally, on November 25th, 2022, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special was released. Uh, This was, I've been saying it all night, Phase 4 was a lot of fun. This was especially fun. Um, We get to learn a little bit more about Mantis and that she is actually Peter Quill's sister. This is the biggest piece of info that is like dropped in this holiday special. Um, The fact that they're related is just very important to peter and that he has family um the fact that his family like mantis and drax go out of the way to go retrieve kevin bacon for peter is a kind of a twisted act of love and the music in this movie is spot on in relation to the other guardians movies and there's some originals in there with the old 97s singing with kevin bacon by the end of the movie bringing in the christmas spirit um We get a talking space dog named Cosmo who has been hinted in the past of Guardians, but we haven't gotten to actually meet yet until this. Our final entity of Phase 4 being the holiday special for Guardians brings home the fact that family is key and we need to be there for our families and stay with our families no matter what, Um, even if they kidnap Kevin Bacon for you um, as a grand gesture of appreciation. Um, I wanted to see Groot dressed up like a Christmas tree, and I did, so that was there, and I love that. And with that, we have been through every single uh, movie and or special presentation or Disney Plus show in Marvel's Phase 4. Our next release is February 17th, 2023. For me, less than a week away. Um, we are looking at Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania, and I think that is going to blow the roof off of this thing. Um, while it's the beginning of a phase, it's the beginning is also the end is the beginning. So we're going to probably get some follow-up to Loki in that movie, at least knowing at least the differences between the two Kangs we've met. Um, I can't even imagine where the rest of the multiverse saga will take us in terms of Kang Dynasty, Secret Wars, um, how we're going to culminate to those events. There's even rumors that Secret Wars is going to be a two-part movie. So there's potentially an Avengers trilogy on our hands, um, all you know, containing one story, which is super exciting. And I mean... I can't I can't wait to just get to the next the next thing and then the next thing. Um, after Quantum Mania, it's rumored that we're gonna be getting Secret Invasion, um, which is gonna tell the story of Nick Fury and the scroll and what's going on on Earth with secret actual secret invasion that probably has been happening for years at this point. Um, we're gonna have the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 on May 5th. Um, in the summer of 2023, Echo will be released. Loki season two is coming this year. The Marvels, supposedly, by summer of this year. Um, Ironheart by fall agatha coven of chaos we're going into next year now with daredevil born again uh, captain america new world order the thunderbolts blade um is deadpool 3 gonna be in the next year or two or three how long is it gonna take for deadpool 3 to come out like i've said this phase 
takes its time with introducing new characters and new elements to the MCU that we're likely to see fall into play in the next couple of phases, if not later. Um, I think we're going to get more from the Eternals, more for Shang-Chi, more from Miss Marvel, more from she I think all these characters have a bigger part to play in the bigger story. And it reminds me of phase one in its own right, but just a bigger, more ambitious version of phase one where we're getting a lot of origin and a lot of groundwork. Um, I've yet to be disappointed and let down by Marvel. Um, even this year, I set myself up to have low expectations for one of the shows in Miss Marvel, and I was wrong, and it stands up with the other shows. So I think Phase 4, was, while it being a huge endeavor, it's only the beginning. I think Phase 5 could be even bigger and have more. However, Marvel has stated that they might want to, you know, center things a little bit more again. So maybe Phase 4 will be known for being a phase that goes over the top and like maybe a little bit like letting us in introducing us to so much and then the next few phases will just be the payoff to what we've gotten as fans um nonetheless beyond exciting and i couldn't be more happy to have been here with you today for this extra long episode of marvel maniac and mcu after show thank you for sticking with me my name is eric cicada your host aka mr honest and i will be back with you next week sometime to talk about ant-man and the wasp quantum mania uh, the third in the Ant-Man series, all of our main heroes seem to get three, and if there's a fourth, the hero is lucky and or superior, like Thor, and I'm excited to see where the MCU goes from here in phase five onward. We will be talking about it here on Marvel Maniac and MCU After Show, your new home for phase five discussions and retrospective looks at other marvel properties i'm going to be going back in iron man 3 soon uh and whenever new content is released ideally i'm going to be here share your thoughts with us at marvelmaniacpod at gmail.com we have a patreon it hasn't been updated in a while but it will be soon patreon.com slash marvelmaniac and anything else don't hesitate to just send an email or send me a message on marvel maniac on most of your social medias and it'll be great to see you next time on marvel maniac and mcu after show again i'm eric cicada your host aka mr honest we'll see you next week and until then avengers disassemble oh yeah go rate the show <laughs>